good morning, everyone. Nice break from uh, Brother Chris. Give him a, a bit of a rest for a while. We'll take off on uh, the next chapter of Second Thessalonians. So if you would, turn with me there to chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. And we're going to, uh, this lesson will cover the, the first 12 verses of, uh, of chapter 2. So I'd like, to, I'd like to read there at least the first three. We'll look at those and, and uh, see how the lesson goes with this. So verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that by our gathering together with and by our gathering together unto him, that, we, that ye not soon, not, that ye be not soon, shaken in mind or in trouble neither spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdonation let's pray Father, we do thank you again. We thank you for the truth that we read in your word. Father, I thank you for allowing us uh, the opportunity to just dive into your word and make an, an understand what was going on with the Thessalonians. And Father, that uh, even today we're having issues similar to this. And Father, we do pray that you just uh, give us the wisdom to understand. Father, uh, even the... Uh, ability to sit with others that might be uh, as these Thessalonians were and, and we'll see that they were distressed and deceived about the word and about your coming and about the timing of your coming and, and, and how uh, the impact is for believers and for the rest of the world Father I thank you for each and every one that's here Father, I thank you for the blessings that you give to us each and every day as we open up your word, we spend time in prayer, we spend time fellowshipping and just rejoicing around your word. And Father, I, I, I do pray that it'll be used wisely in our lives, that we'll be useful servants for you. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, as this lesson goes... Uh, this whole series of lessons is about uh, traveling and staying on course. And I think in the, the student guide, it talks a little bit about GPSs. And my lesson plan, like Brother Chris, departs a little bit from the lesson, but, but the outline is based on, on what's there. And I've uh, actually started it out. Be calm, God is in control. Because we're finding that the Thessalonians, they're kind of concerned. They're they're worried that that they've missed the uh, the rapture, and we're going to discuss a little bit about this. But you know, nope, I don't. I left it back there. But most all of us walk around with a GPS in our hand, our cell phones. Some of us might even have them in their cars. You know, how many of you trust them? hundred <laughs> percent my brother who's a truck driver he hated his GPS 
40-foot truck traveling down a road that kept getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And his dispatcher says, no, follow the GPS. It's, it'll take you right. Well, he ended up finally finding somewhere at the end or near the end of this road that took him almost an hour to get turned around. You know, it's kind of like Pastor, he drives. How long is your bus that you drive? 40 feet. So you take a 40-foot trailer and add another 20 feet onto the front of it with a truck that bends in the middle and not knowing what's... And this was at night, by the way. He, uh, he, he had bad feelings when he started down the road. Finally ended up getting there. It was a, of all places, it's a Walmart. And Walmarts, if you're not there at their specific time, you don't get to drop your, lo your load. You have to go somewhere else. <clears throat> I don't know if you, some of you might have met my brother, but he's very belligerent. He goes, you're taking my load. He just unhooked it and drove off. <laughs> uh, so it was their problem. But anyway, the, the, the idea is GPSs are as good as the information that's in them. And oftentimes, they won't lead us where, they, where we go. And some people blindly follow that GPS. I've heard of people up in Portland driving on Marine Drive following the GPS and have driven into the Columbia River because it said turn here dutifully they turned right into the river other people it, it, it's just amazing and thankfully we've got a GPS that's 100% accurate it's preserved and as I was reading through this and studying there's some things that jumped out at me, especially when you go to look at some other people's notes that tell you that there's an error in translation. I get worried when I see that in somebody's writings. Because I believe God's word is preserved. And when we look at the concept and context of where it's at, it's accurate. And a lot of this lesson going through here, the Apostle Paul is re-instructing the Thessalonians on what he taught in the first one. And as, as uh, well, I was reading Dr. Ironsides, and he, the, uh, a comment he made is uh, that sometimes believers have very poor memories. And I'm thankful that God keeps working on our memories. That every time we go into his word, he gives us something new in there to enhance what we already know so I think when somebody tells me that it's an erroneous translation or it's a faulty translation or it means this and I'm going to go specifically around verse 2 where it's the day of the Lord is at hand and uh, this lesson guide has got a, a, a pretty good slide on about that and we're going we're to talk about that Hopefully we'll get to that if I get into the lesson. But there were errors creeping in even before the New Testament's written. Letters are coming in that people are, are passing themselves off as the Apostle Paul in the writings. Or others are very knowledgeable and passing off teachings that were kind of contrary to the Apostle Paul. And, and even today, I think there's lots of um, 
books that are all of a sudden showing up of more writings of different apostles. I don't know if they're how accurate they are. I haven't read any of them. I've just heard of some of them and people use them. They might be historically correct. They might have some historical information, kind of like the Apocrypha, but a lot of people are, will tell you that they're not inspired. They're not part of the canon. Of course, the canon is based on man's understanding of what God has given to them, and that's what we'll use. Doesn't mean that some of the other books might not be as accurate, but it's what we have translated here. Uh, some people might say, well, we're not going to change that. Of course, how many translations do we have now of the Bible? I don't know what, some 200 languages around the world? But when we look at this, the, the, the Thessalonians had a real concern um, that somehow they had missed something. You know, th that they had... Um, been given another truth. The Apostle Paul addressed that in the first book about, if, if and, and in his other epistles about other uh, words that came out or other uh, another uh, uh, what's the word I want another gospel would come out. That's kind of what he talked about, and so it's it's very important because this is dealing with what's going to happen. Now, of course, since the Christ died, rose from the, uh, from the grave, and the New Testament church has been established, we've essentially been in the end times. That's kind of what we're looking at. People keep saying, well, you know, we're in that getting close to midnight. Well, midnight being when Christ calls the church out, so to speak. And the world dives into something that is just, going to be something they weren't looking forward to and that's what the Thessalonians were hearing they were, they were um, worried that somehow that they had missed the, the rapture and the Apostle Paul in first, his first book chapter 4, Brother Chris went through that very carefully and, and Pastor did too back when we were talking uh, about the book of Revelation so a lot of this is somewhat of a review and that's really what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's reviewing this stuff with them. And they're concerned that they were looking forward to that appearance of the Lord. Because they, they asked him uh, back in, 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 you know, when he wrote in the first book about that. And you got to remember that they don't have 66 books all put together in a nice, concise document. All they have really is the Old Testament writings that were were laid down. So they had, based on the Old Testament, and then each time Paul would come or a letter would come or somebody would speak uh, with the Spirit that they were preaching the truth. And many of these people were just following what these people were teaching them. And so they were looking for, like I say, looking forward to the appearance of the Lord. They were waiting for him to return to the earth to execute his judgment. Brother Chris talked about that in the last lesson about God's perfect judgment and how it would be on the wicked and set up his kingdom in, in, on the earth and establish that millennial kingdom and then go into final judgment and eternity. And that's what these lessons here kind of lay it out. So here's 
a thought. Put yourself in, <clears throat> in the shoes or in the seat of the Thessalonians and you're, well, the, the church is probably not much more than a year old at that point, maybe two, something like that. How would you take when somebody starts telling you things that are contrary to what the Apostle Paul is teaching? You might be a little concerned, especially if it's somebody that's, that's saying, well, I have a letter from the Apostle Paul here, and this is what he's telling us, that we're now entering into the tribulation period. And all this persecution that's going on around you is indicative of what's going on for the tribulation. And so you have to be careful there. So how, you know, how do you think you'd react to that? Well, it depends on how much you've been studying the Bible, how much you trust what you've been teaching, how much understanding you have, um, and how easily swayed you are. Because there are people today, and we've, we've studied this before, that are telling people that Christians are going to go through the tribulation or some part of the tribulation and that this pre-tribulation rapture stuff is a big lie. There are people out there teaching it. And, it, and it's sad that there are people that taught pre-tribulation rapture that don't believe that today. And some people have changed their positions. So what would you think about somebody that came up and goes, well, you know, I once believed in that, but I'm no longer... Um, you know, I'm seeing things that make it different. I think that it's not this. I think that we're going to go through this. And, you know, they'll take you to Scripture. Thankfully, we've got some good teachers here that laid out where it really doesn't make sense. And Brother Chris told me about uh, one of his textbooks, uh, a guy named Paul Benoit, I think it is, yeah, on about end time prophecies and it's it's kind of really you could set it right next to Dwight Pentecost book things to come those are two good juicy books to add with what really is going on tick all the scriptures about the end time prophecies and kind of put them concisely and then showed how that Christian the church will not go through the tribulation why it will not go through the tribulation why people think this that was what was nice about this right this is like why people thought about this and he some of the very knowledgeable men those that have those big words for sovereign grace and all those so you know where these guys were coming from some of them at one time like i said believed in a pre-tribulation rapture some of them even believed in a premillennial return of christ and they were, they're teaching something different. Very knowledgeable men. Very influential on in how they present it. And, and it's probably what was happening to these people here. They were, you know, they were presenting things in such a way that they just ate this up and thought it was great. Goes, well, and then stopped to think about, well, wait, the Apostle Paul was telling us something different. I'm a little worried now. What's, what's really happening? Because remember, it's not in writing. It's all verbal and, and, and in letters so you know the apostle Paul as he's writing this second book like I say he, he's trying to correct an error he wanted the readers to remember that the hope of the believers is that they will be gathered together unto the Lord before the judgment falls on the earth 
and they were not to give heed to the theory that they were entering the great tribulation even though someone had professed that they discovered such a thing it's like somebody you know coming up going oh we found these new books and it completely says something else I mean there have been books written about when Christ went into the tomb that he swooned and that he was soon recovered and he and Mary Magdalene went off and lived in Italy and had children pretty pretty good story I'm sure God's up there going son did you really do that he's like what do you he goes I'm just just joshing with you a little bit you know just seeing I know for a fact and his word we know that Christ went up to heaven we know that he didn't swoon first off you know he, he had the power to do all sorts of things and they were saying yeah well you know he was he swooned and he rolled that rock away no he died he rose again he didn't have to move that rock he just did it so that they'd have some place to look for him you know some place to enter in but what we have is he calmed the Thessalonians down and you know they were distressed they were worried about this I, I think I would be worried too especially if it's somebody that was knowledgeable or if I had gotten word that the apostle Paul said no we're, we're you're going to go through this and like I said sometimes believers have poor memories and as I as I keep reading through you know New Testament and Old Testament people did have short memories back then they would forget things I mean you know take a look at uh, Nebuchadnezzar you know he, David showed him all these things and yet he was convinced to do other things contrary to what he was supposed to do believers would go through it and they could be easily deceived and, and I don't know whether it's just the nature whether it was the culture but people do get easily deceived especially when Satan runs around and he's running loose able to do some things he's not like Superman where he can leap tall buildings and all this and that but he's able to do things that God allows him to do and God allows him to do things so that believers and so that people will listen to the gospel and understand. You know, the Thessalonians seem to have forgotten the truth that Paul wrote in his first one. So when they encountered bitter persecutions, and that was what was going on, because if you read back in Acts, what was going on there, it was devastating. If you're a Christian, you might even be killed. You might not be able to work. You might not be able to buy food. You might not be able to uh, go anywhere. Oh, wait a minute. We're having that going on right now. <laughs> you know? Uh, if you haven't been vaccinated and don't have your little vaccination passport, you might not be able to go somewhere. You can't get on an airplane unless you've been tested. Poor Lisa. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah, well, it depends. It, it depends on some, some airlines are requiring it. CDC says in order to get on an airplane, you have to be show that you have a negative test. Now, depending on the airline, they can make that choice. But there's some places here, 
find somebody that isn't requiring you to wear a mask to do business with them. Even afterward, yes. You know, I like some of our politicians. They're smart. They got vaccinated. And they're like, so much for my mask. Idaho, in fact, there was a whole list of states, the ones that they keep forgetting about in the United States, Idaho and Wyoming, and North, South Dakota, Montana, have said there's no more masks. But the persecution that was going on with the Thessalonians, they were making it so difficult on them. They pretty much felt like, is this what really the tribulation's all about? Because, you know, unless you delve deep into uh, the prophets, it just says it is going to be something that is like never happened before. And Revelation hadn't been written yet. Matthew hadn't been written yet. All they had to go by was the teachings and going on. You know, they completely lost sight of the truth that had been revealed to them about the rapture of the church. They were being misled by somebody and well that person was probably led by Satan and to in, in, into teaching this uh, into believing that they were experiencing the wrath of Jehovah and that this person was asserting that he had been given a special revelation and there are people that able to stand up they're charismatic enough you know and we've seen this all down through history Christians have been confronted with all sorts of persecutions think of the Jews or Christians even during uh, World War II and the Holocaust if you profess Christ you could be treated the same way as the Jews were and it was that, that form of cleansing it seems that, um, that even people were forging letters in Paul's name but Paul wrote these to correct those issues. He, as it says in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 7 and 8, he says, And to you who were troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that they obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Chris talked about that, his God's judgment upon those that do not know him. And so they were being assured that they were going into the tribulation, but they were uh, also being assured by the Apostle Paul that, no, you haven't missed this. This is, you know, they're looking for this. Is now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. He's trying to point out to them that you're not, you haven't been gathered together yet. You haven't been called up. And before this time comes, he's, and, and for, verse 1 uh, Thessalonians 4.17 says that they will be meet the Lord in the air. And he's referring, he says, it hasn't happened yet. You haven't met the Lord in the air yet. So, so, and he's telling them that the second coming has been talked about. 
Because when you think of Matthew uh, 24, 36, it says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And the rest of them, uh, Mark 13, 32 says the same thing. Uh, Acts 1, 7 says, He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Jesus didn't know when he was supposed to come back. Brother Chris talked about the imminency of the rapture of the church. It could happen any minute. We're supposed to be looking for that. We're also supposed to be doing what we're supposed to do on earth, but keep an eye out for that, to be on watch, to be vigilant, to not let anything deter you from that understanding. And, and what, he's, what he's doing, he, he's correcting that error, and it was regarding to the time of his, uh, his appearing, not the fact that he's he's appearing and he will uh, like we just mentioned it's not known to mankind and the apostles only talked about the coming not when it was going to happen that's that's important we've had men predict down through the ages when it's coming and so when we see that that he's wants them to be gathered together talking about a, a catching away as in first uh, thessalonians 4 where we talk about the rapture, the catching away, he's trying to tell them, no, this hasn't happened yet. You'll know when it does because you'll be caught up in it. And, and what he's pointing out to them, he says that there are two comings. And this is where we'll probably kind of work into it. And, and I was talking with, uh, with, with Chris and Pastor that the term here at the very end of verse 2 it says um, as to the day of the Lord is at hand and almost every commentator that I looked at said that was a faulty translation it really meant the day of the Lord and the reason he mentioned it is this chart that's laid out here if you look at the bottom it talks about the day of the Lord and the Apostle Paul is trying to assure them that this, oh, I want the little pointer, there we go, that this whole time period really is the day of the Lord and the day of Christ talks about this time frame right here. Because when it talks about the day in that aspect, it's talking about a judgment. And for the believer, if you look on the top there, I think you can read it close enough, is Christ age believers at the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we return back after this time period where there's a end of the church age right here. We'll get into some of this of preparation time the judgments or the when the uh, the first half of the tribulation the second half when the wrath and, and the rest of the judgments tribulation ends Christ returns millennial kingdom and then it goes into eternity the day of the Lord is this time frame through here he talks about the end of the church age and as I was going through trying to understand that and I'm a simple guy I haven't been to Bible college I don't understand the Greek. I just know what I read. And, and when, when I read that, I understand that, yeah, he is talking about two specific 
appearances and two events going on simultaneously. So when we're taken up into heaven, you know, we're just not lollygagging around waiting, you know. I don't know how long the, the, it's going to take for all the church believers to be at the judgment seat, but when we're in heaven, our watches aren't there. It's kind of like uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia when the kids went into the wardrobe. They were in there just for a few minutes or a few hours. But if you read the whole thing, they're in there for until they grow up. <laughs> and then when they come out, they're kids again. So, you know, time, as far as a believer goes, you know, down here, there's a specific amount of time. It's, it's, it's laid out. Up here, for us, we're, we're busy. We're not, we're not just sitting around strumming a harp on, a, on there. And, and, and the idea is, is that why we're in that position, in that condition, that on earth, things are happening. And as we go through the lesson, the, it, it, it'll some terms I'll explain a little bit more, like the revealing, a falling of the way, because there are a lot of thoughts on what's what's happening when the the apostasy of the of, of the church they call it, and it's interesting when you think about that. That why would there be an apostasy in the church if the church is in heaven? Well. That's, that's coming up. <laughs> but when, when we think about this in, in, in you know, First Thessalonians uh, 4, 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of the God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive, remain, and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The Thessalonians had lost sight of that. Revelation 19.11. Get the right button there. Coming over here, Revelation 19.11. He's trying to explain to them, he says, then you're going to come back. He says, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. That's that time where he's going to come down and judge those nations and defeat them and then go into the millennial kingdom revelation uh, verses 14 and 15 of, of 19 and the armies which were in in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in uh, fine linen white and clean guess what we're going to learn how to ride horses when we get up into heaven pastor's going to have a head start on us because that's what he did as a, as a, as a kid you know, how many of you ridden horses here for long periods of time, like for days on end? <laughs> We've been watching the series Man from Snowy River, and it's kind of kind of fun to watch. But we're going to come back. Can you imagine horses coming down from heaven? What that's going to be like? It says, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the almighty God and then verse 21 of that same chapter and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth 
and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. When he comes down, it's not going to be a nice scene. It's going to be bloody. The Thessalonians haven't got that concept yet. They haven't learned out. There, there's a, a, a scenario regarding the predictability of the date. Remember, we, we said that and, and read in, in Matthew 24 and, and the rest of the Gospels and Acts that we don't know. Only God knows that time frame. He knows when that's going to happen. Daniel uh, 12.11 gives us the, uh, the time of this as being 1,290 days and lays it out and, and explains it. You know, they were, they were being deceived about these, these, this end times. And in uh, the, the description of the day of Christ, when you look it up, and, and we're going to go into it a little bit more next week, but at the day of Christ, and this is what Schofield wrote, the day of Christ relates wholly to the reward and blessing of the saints at his coming as the day of the Lord relates to judgment. And so it's still judgment, the day of Christ, and they're used interchangeably. And as I was going through here, I realized that when, when you talk about the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, there are people that get really, really adamant about that's this and that's this. And as, as I, I have a handout I put together, it's not a hill to die on, I found out. Because he's referring to, Paul is referring to that whole time frame. And that it's important for us to realize and there's a little history behind some of that because the day of Christ is it, it appears in a couple other areas not just in in uh, uh, second Thessalonians it occurs in uh, uh, Philippians twice and it explains why it is and we'll, we'll go into that next week but it's important to understand that that they were distressed they were deceived and that as they, as they learned all of this that they can apply it to their lives and live accordingly, knowing that what's going on around them. We are living in a time when we're going to face that type of persecution. Who knows what happens uh, when certain laws get passed? That, oh, they might pass a law that says if you don't have a COVID vaccination, you cannot do anything. Remember, Germany passed the law that says Jews were allowed to be killed. Just think what could happen potentially when Satan has his way. And that's what he was doing all through history. He's had a, lot, a little bit to do here and there to try to thwart the, 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 the forwarding of the gospel for the spread of it. God only allows him to go so far. What did he do to the Apostle Paul? He knocked him blind. And then Paul accepted, accepted Christ as Savior. Spent three years learning from him. Each one of us need to be comforted as he was trying to comfort the, the Thessalonians in what's really going on. And as we look at the rest of verse 3 and the rest of the chapter, he's laying out what needs to happen. We don't know when God's going to call us home. 
Some of us could go into the ground. Others of us will be alive and will be caught up. It could happen in the next breath. It could happen tomorrow. We don't know. We just need to be watchful of that. But the others will have signs of when they happen. Because when the rapture of the church occurs, then some other things are going to start going on. That'll be a sign to the world that something's going on. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can rely on the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, that your word has been preserved for us. We know that it is the absolute truth for us. When we look at the context, there are no errors. Father, we thank you that even though the translators and those that wrote your word were human beings and capable of error, you have ensured that your word is going forth without error, that it is the perfect preserved word for us in the English-speaking language. Father, I'm thankful that you cared for us, you take care of us, and you're in absolute control of all that's going on. Nothing is being hid from you. Nothing is new to you. You've planned it all. And Father, I thank you for that. And I pray, Father, as we go into the morning service, that our hearts are continued to be open for you, that as we sing praises to you, that we can rejoice around your word, knowing that we will learn more truths, that we can be more and more useful as we walk on this earth until you call us all home. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.